Hello and welcome to the Keep Streaming Buddy Podcast with me, your host, Carl Coleman. If this is your first time tuning in, I am the singer in Danish-Australian band Palace Winter and this is my podcast where I interview talented artists and hear about their lives and craft, but mostly we talk shit about movies and stuff. On today's episode, I speak to the UK's Do Blonde. Beth and I go deep on her favourite movie, Almost Famous, growing up in Newcastle, her sick new album, Homecoming. She tells us about emergency landing in a plane with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and there's even a bunch of ghost stories at the end, which is really creepy and cool. So I had an absolute blast talking to Beth, and I reckon you will too, so strap yourselves in and put the kettle on, buddies. Here's my fun conversation with Do Blonde. Beth, thanks for coming on Keep Streaming, buddy. So I've, I've been really excited for this talk. Thanks for having me. So are you in Newcastle? Are you, are you a Novocastrian? Yeah. Whoa! Did you do some googling? Ah, uh, that was my mum actually. <laughs> she that was one of her, the main things. She was just like, "You've got to." Do you know what an overcastrian is? I was like, well, I do now. So thanks, mum. That's amazing. I mean, the only reason I even really know that word is that my mum used to work as a freelance graphic designer for a company called Nova Castra. Okay. And then I think when I was a kid, I was like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> it's you. It's but someone yeah. from Newcastle, right? I know. It's crazy. So I'm a Geordie. My oh, mum's ringing. Friends calling. <laughs> She's getting called by someone with a very Geordie accent called George right now. Nice. Oh, of course. You know, when you, so you have the one person who calls you. Yeah, he actually gets called Geordie sometimes. <laughs> um, which I had, I only realised that the other day that, uh, yeah, Geordie is like a, a take on George. Right. Have you always lived there or? I know. Well, yeah. So I grew up here. Yeah. Um, and then I left when I was like 18, I think. And then between 18 and probably 25, I spent um, sort of three months at a time in different places. Okay. Um, so like either I was like on tour or I spent a lot of time on and off in LA. Yeah. Um, and then when I'd be back in England, I must be in London because that's where kind of like my work was or... I thought my work was um, <laughs> and yeah but I've been here for the past year um I have asthma and um I live with a group of like six people in London and it didn't seem like the best um uh mix for sure. potentially catching the virus so. uh, of course yeah 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 all right cool so uh, yeah bunk bunkered down with mum in in Newcastle I can think of worse yeah, things it's been that... great. oh man oh, look at the coffee's flowing I mean She's so lovely. I know. <laughs> She's so lovely. I know I'm on decaf now because I the um the the caffeine we realize makes my ticks a lot worse. Ah, uh, of course. I mean, I so we're going through the yeah. I get jittery, Sorry. man. I get jittery like I if I, I know, if I like, overdo it, it just my anxiety goes, you know. This this is like an eight-person french press <laughs> and I used to drink super strong coffee this much of it Oof. just like in the morning like yeah. shots. That'll fire um, you and up. Then, yeah, and then my text was super bad the other day, and I was like, I wonder if it's coffee because it affects the nervous system. Um, Could be yeah. a thing. Yeah. Well, just yeah. while we're still, just one more thing on Newcastle, because and this is funny because oh, yeah. I spoke to my folks on Monday, I think, 
and they were pretty mm-hmm. psyched about our chat. So my dad, I don't even know if he's from Newcastle, but my dad said, does she ever see Sting walking around the street? <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard, and this is pure gossip, I don't know if this is true. I heard that Sting just like doesn't come back to Newcastle. Although now I'm saying that if he does and he's a nice guy, then that's, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give him a bad name around, around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> is he like no, is he sort of the i don't know is he sort of the prodigal son around there or well i mean honestly i don't think sting's actually from newcastle okay. i think he's from near okay um but he yeah it's known but i mean also we have um what's his name from acdc brian johnson yeah okay cool he's a true yeah Geordie. he's a real geordie isn't he yeah true yeah whoa yeah. how did i not this have that on my list <laughs> I know I'd go for, go for him before Sting. <laughs> it's like okay, didn't didn't think I'd start the pod talking about Sting, oh, but you know it's Ronnie. No. Ronnie C, my dad. He just he, that was his question for you. So that's great. Where do you all live? I, I'm in Copenhagen in Denmark. Um, Ooh. Yeah, but I'm from Melbourne, and all my family are in Melbourne. Um, I was gonna say you sound quite Australian. Yeah, I'm half Kiwi. Oh, you're half Kiwi. Cool. Yeah, my mum was born in New Zealand. Oh, so nice. Unfortunately, I've never been there, but. Yeah, it's it's one on the list. Neither have I. <laughs> I quite like to. My dad's from Brighton, England, though. So he and that's Ooh. his claim to fame was always that he dro- once drove Sting across the country, or like gave him a lift from a Whoa. festival in the seven. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty funny. It's like he's and no one knows if it's real or if he just made it up. I love those stories. So funny. I bet it is real. You always find people who've got that one story where you're like, what? <laughs> I feel like you may have a few of them already in your. 31 years of living yeah so let's just rewind a little bit so um i mean you're you're it's pretty well documented that you're like a multi-talented diy artist like you make your own videos animations album artwork all sorts of stuff um at what point did you like start making music and realize this was something for you like was there an artist or an album that made you go i want to do this no that it was a guitar okay (laughs) I, um, I'd never really thought too much about like what I was going to do. I thought I was going to be like a fashion designer or an artist. That was my, my main thing when I was a kid. Um, and then I went into, there's a music shop in Newcastle called windows. Um, and I went in and they had this Fender Strat that was kind of like baby blue with like a white pit guard. And I thought it looked like a Cadillac. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, and then, so I, I saved up all my money and I bought it. Um, and I had to learn how to play because I didn't know how to play. So how old were really, you at this point? Oh, I was like 15, 16, okay. 15, yep. I'd say. Um, yeah, and I um, I didn't buy it because I wanted to be a musician. I just liked the object. Yeah. Um, but then I was just like, I've just spent my, you know, 16 years of life savings on this thing. I must learn how to use it. Um, and then also before that, I used to write like a lot of, it was like, you know, in school, they call it creative writing. Yeah. And like poetry and stuff. And then uh, when I realized that you can just kind of like sing poetry over a guitar part and then it's a song. So that's kind of how it happened. So cool. It wasn't really planned. Yeah. Do you still yeah. do you still play on that Strat? Is that still your guitar? Or I do sometimes. It's not still my guitar that I use. Okay. I will never get rid of it. No. Um, it's quite it's quite heavy. Mm. I think at the time I didn't realize there was all of these nuances about like getting the right guitar for you out of it. And then stupidly, about four years ago, I painted it with like gold roses okay. in acrylic paint. Yeah. And I just, I can't look at it because I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> you can always strip it back so. and do another paint. 
Well, I, yeah, I've been I've been doing some research about that. Yeah, plan. yeah, it's fun actually. Yeah. Those sort of like do it yourself, and you're obviously like tailor made for this stuff because you've got a bit of a yeah. knack for it. But um, yeah, yeah, working yeah. on guitars yourself is quite quite fun. Not that I've done it that much, but I've got a lot of mates who are yeah. nerdy on that stuff, and I'm always like, yeah, I should like go to the workshop with you. Yeah. Oh, totally cool. mm. i think i would i would be definitely more um excited about doing it if i knew i wasn't gonna like damage the guitar <laughs> which is my real because like i'll go into anything that doesn't mean that much to me i'll go in and change it up and strip it back and whatever yeah. and it's like doesn't matter if it gets damaged but i the things that really mean something to me i can't let myself near them <laughs> yeah it makes sense um Pack it up. but you you started out with a solo project under your own name beth jeans horton um, yeah, I always, I always find it kind of interesting and inspiring when an artist sort of decides to shift gears and change their sound and image entirely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you made that shift a few years ago and sort of the birth of Do Blonde? Like, would you say it's an alter ego or? Um, I, I kind of, or yes, in a sense. So like when I go on stage, I'm a lot more confident than I am when I'm off stage. As, um, as Do Blonde or? As, as Do Blonde. As do blonde, and it's not like um, it's not something where I'm like, okay, shifting into the brainwaves or whatever. It's just something that that happens. But um, so when I was um, in my old band, which was, was kind of like I wrote the songs, um, and then I had sort of like I think it was like four or five guys playing with me, um, and it was fun. But it was also like this was the music that I was making when I was sixteen. Right. Um, and my first first record I wrote when I was sixteen. It didn't come out till I was twenty one. Wow. Um. So I was I was already kind of over it, and I really I still like that album, but it it just wasn't. I wanted to play like rock and punk shows, mm. like I, and then I had this like middle-aged white guy audience who would just kind of like sit and nod to like <laughs> what they thought was folk and I was like I can't I can't spend my whole life doing this nothing against them and you know and I appreciate anybody enjoying my music but it obviously something wasn't connecting between my brain and what was coming out of me interesting yeah because <laughs> um, you can't choose yeah. your audience like you can't no. decide who's gonna dig <laughs> your stuff um yeah yeah but was that did you feel like there was a lack of energy at the shows or like there was a Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because there was a lot of there was a lot of elements in my first record of kind of like rock or kind of like prog rock in a sense and um you know there's driving drum beats and stuff but it would still just be people holding a beer vaguely nodding. <laughs> and I was like I want to play to like sweaty kids who are like you know having the time of their life and yeah. Um, it just, it was hard. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really me. That's yeah. the thing. Um, and then I, uh, the turning point, well, we'd gone out to LA to make this record. Um, and it was just one of those things where for me, it had always been like my band. And then as time went on, I think people wanted more and more control over like what their ideas were going to be in it, which is fair enough, the, but it the also band wasn't the project. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot more kind of like, well, I think it should sound like this. And it was just really stressful for me. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, I'm trans, but at the time I was seen as this sort of like cis girl. And uh, it's already difficult trying to like argue your points and ideas and creative ideas to people. Sure. Uh, let alone having the people you're directly working with also trying to change what you're doing. And I just felt at the end of it, I was going to have none of me left. Mm. And it was just tiring trying to fight for that. 
and then I went to um, a Bowie exhibition at the V&A in London. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, this is what I want to do. Like, I, you can just be one person and do all of this stuff and make all of these different genres of music and sure. wear all this shit. Um, and then that was it. I walked out and I was like, I'm going to... I'm just gonna be on my own. That's so cool. It's it's so funny how Bowie has that um that yeah. that, that footprint, like what he does to artists. Um yeah. because yeah, talking about non binary, like uh, Yeah, I mean, totally. He's so he's the ultimate, you know. Yeah, completely. Well, because when I was a kid, my what I thought was my first crush sure. was um is it Tim Curry in the Rocky Horror Show? Yeah. The the sweet transvestite. Yep. And I was just like, I don't know what it was, but when I was a kid, I was like, he's so fucking hot. Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah, go nuts. (laughs) Oh, I was like, he's so fucking hot. Um, But then, like, as I got older and learned more about myself, and it was probably, like, the same thing with Bowie, and I realized it wasn't, like, attraction. It was, like, recognition. Mm. I was like, I feel like that guy guy in the corset. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, he still is hot. How how old were you then, like? In, with oh, the wow. Rocky, the Rocky like, Horror Show I was, moment. I was probably like, I don't know, eight. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Too young to really have crushes on adults. No, but I mean, it. it as you said, <laughs> as you said, it resonated with you. Something clicked. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so interesting. So yeah, and I think as well, like uh, Mark Bolin. Anyway, like glam yeah, rock, oh, man. especially. I love T Rex. I know that, like, yeah. I know that you get like a lot of glam rock bands where there is all of this sort of like macho bravado, but they're still wearing spandex. (laughs) New York dolls. like Yeah. yeah. And I just, I was always so drawn to that kind of like flamboyant, which is funny because like I, my day-to-day clothes are like Adidas tracksuit pants and like a jumper. (laughs) Um, But I just, I love, yeah, looking at all that. So in that, like, like you say that, like you normally just at home, you're just rocking a tracksuit. But so is do yeah. blonde a character like, like, you know, like how Jim Osterberg, Iggy Pop, like he kind of invented Iggy yeah. Pop, you know, he's actually, Jim totally. Osterberg is like a total, he's like an academic, you know? Yeah. So, so cool. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I think so in a sense, um, it's almost, okay. We've imagined a visual diagram. It's almost like I created do blonde because I knew what I wanted to be and then I'm slowly catching up with it and will become it. I know no one can see this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. I've created an egg in the air that I'm shooting myself towards. That's so cool. I mean, people can relate to that in so many ways, whether it's just, yeah, whether we're talking about trans or even just someone trying to reach a goal. Like, it makes total sense. It's a really, mm-hmm. really good mm-hmm. way to put it, that you, you're working yeah, your way towards it. I've heard Ezra Furman talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's so cool. I wanted to, I wanted to get a little bit background on how kind of Dublon came about. Um, yeah. But so let's talk about your brilliant new record, Homecoming. I've, Aww. I've been, I've been lucky enough to, you know, get a secret link from Bradley. So I've been, yeah, yeah, smashing it around the house, and it's just been so cool. It's just packed with like catchy grunge pop bangers. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you did. Features a host of what you might call like indie rock royalty. It's pretty crazy. Like Andy Bell of Ride. Yeah features on yeah he's on the song all the way which is probably my favorite on the yeah. record actually oh i'm yeah. glad i'm glad that was uh that was one of my favorites when i was writing it and then i even though i love how it came out it didn't come out quite how it was in my head mm. so i think that i was always just a bit like oh so i'm glad that you know yeah 
I mean, I know the feeling. It's uh, yeah, making records can be a very well. Yeah. It is. It's 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 kind of uh, uh, torture in many ways, and and it's really yeah. fun. But yeah, that idea of like when you first picture it and then it's sort of it's a little bit the finished product's a little bit different it's sort of yeah it's hard to like reconcile um yeah but definitely. but then when it comes out the record then it cha- your relationship with the songs changes again right like totally you experience yeah. That? yeah so cool yeah um and then there's and then there's Ezra Ezra Furman yes on your sick new single I'm glad that we broke up um yeah i'm a big fan like particularly the transangelic exodus record that was sort of where that's I, yeah uh, that's amazing stuff yeah and yeah. you made the video for suck the blood from my wound right i did yeah which yes. is an amazing song i love that song i love that song yeah i was really sick sick when i made that video oh shit but you were, yeah. were you in america then or no, I was in uh, London, London yeah. and I had uh, my appendix removed kind of halfway through making the video and then I got sepsis. Jesus. Um, and then I had sort of like months and months of recovery. And, and this kind of happened when I had probably like a couple of weeks left of making the video. Far and then out. so I was just like sitting at my mum had to come to London to like take care of me. And I was like, I could barely move. And I was just like, I must finish this animation. <laughs> oh, man, no wonder you're good mates. That's that's epic. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I sort yeah. of discovered him by accident when my wife and I we were in LA and he was opening for this Aussie band called Pond. Um, yeah, and he, yeah. And he was pretty well into his set by the time we got there, but it was just like, it totally drew us in. Like, it was amazing, his, his voice yeah. and yeah. the melodies so and good. the energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's why I kind of I thought for the for glad we broke up. Yeah, it's kind of like Ezra's voice is so like raspy and raw, and we're both really into kind of like girl group sixties vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of what I was going for with that song anyway. Yeah, so it's just like a perfect match. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you and Ezra. So how how did you guys meet? And tell us a bit about that song and how it all kind of came about. We met. So I use she hair pronouns for Ezra, just for continuation purposes okay cool um, thanks oh no it's fine and it's also like i think people assume that just because i'm trans i use like he or they yeah. but like i in anything and most people use she here for me okay um you don't know unless you really ask the person sure um so i met ezra like it's probably like six years ago now which is really strange because i feel like i've known her for like 25 years wow um and i met her first through we had the same um manager at the time or like for quite a long time um and i remember like my my friend mike who plays in a band called tongue mm. yeah yeah um, so i was living with him at the time and he's like you have to like listen to ezra Furman, blah, blah, blah. and then i heard a record day of the dog and i was like oh, this person's making what i want to be making <laughs> um and then we ended up playing a show together and Ezra remembers this slightly differently to me. So it's like, I think, you know, when you have like a memory and then you also like add stuff to it to make it better. Sure. <laughs> so I don't know which bits of this are true, but my <laughs> memory is that we both walked into the room at the same time and we both had matching like beige faux fur coats on. <laughs> so and then it was kind of like yeah. a recognition yeah, of yeah. like, oh, you're going to be my friend. It's the perfect icebreaker. Um, yeah. yeah, totally. Um, And then, yeah, we just became really good friends and this was actually like long before i don't even know if she was out as trans at the time but i certainly wasn't for like quite a while 
Um, so it's not that we bonded over being trans, but I think it probably comes with like an understanding yeah. anyway of each other. Um, and we just both love the same music and we're both kind of a bit socially awkward and get anxiety and yeah it's just like the perfect kind of friend to have who gets like all of your neuroses yeah um, of course yeah and it's just like we'll just facetime and chat about whatever and it's like especially like during the pandemic it's just yeah so you've been hanging out a lot like online oh yeah definitely so cool yeah um but yeah she's just like amazing mm. and i'm like in awe of like her live shows and totally. um there was i think before so i saw her at, um end of the road a couple of years ago there was this one specifically amazing show and mm. she like came out in like a coffin um and before that the most like not not like the best musically show that i'd ever been to but like one of the most impressive shows i'd been to was like flaming lips yeah um and obviously they have all of this shit going on and it's just like you know it's like going to a circus or whatever and then i saw ezra do the show and i was just like well she had the coffin but apart from that it was just like here and the guys and it was just as like impactful yeah. as the flaming lips show with all of the crap going on and i was like she's just such a good performer that's how i feel it's <laughs> such a cool yeah, such a cool comparison, or not a comparison, yeah. but like just a template because I'm actually yeah. a huge um, Flaming Lips fan. But yeah, like, yeah, me too. but you can totally see, like, you're 100% correct because Ezra's songs are so good and there's so many, yeah. um, I don't know, there's just so much emotion in her songs and, 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 the, totally. and the bands yeah. complement that kind of rawness yeah. so well. Definitely. I think she's like the, because when I, um, when I grew up kind of I've like there's lots of genres that I've liked specifically but I've always really liked the the one genre that I don't know what you would call it but like the kind of like rock songwriting genre so like Bruce Springsteen and yeah. Billy Joel and like uh, Elton John and it's kind of like storytellers who are rock stars but also it could be in a musical yeah it's I think it's called pop rock but I don't know <laughs> is it I don't know oh because like I think I get so confused by genres these days yeah but, um yeah, and then Ezra was the first person of, like, my generation or, like, outside of the 70s or 80s where I was like, oh, here's someone who's actually writing. Doing that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I have nothing against songs that are, like, um, you know, just, like, ABAB or, like, whatever's on the radio and everyone's like, radio music is shit these days. And it's like, I don't believe that. Like, I love loads of modern music. Yeah. But there is so little of, like, that sort of storytelling type of like song start to finish yeah um and Ezra does it so well 100 um, percent. i love you so bad i think it's that one yeah like yes. that 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 just yes. first time i heard that i it, know it like cuts you you know it just yeah. like hits the spot Completely. you're like that is storytelling that's like a grade totally. songwriting like he's yeah oh, and she's it's the really ability it. it's the ability to like say tell a story that even if you haven't like for me like that's the story of someone growing up in america mm. like whatever the line is about like smoking a cigarette behind the bleachers oh man that one just sticks with it doesn't it totally and it's just like i can relate to that and i didn't have bleachers in my high school no 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 it's like you, you're like whisked away to like a high school yeah. american movie but but you relate totally. to it yeah yeah completely yeah so, so sick 
I think you can tell I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, me too. So it's so cool. Could yeah, talk about, yeah. could do a whole episode on Ezra's music. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, because I <laughs> totally, I I because I love the refrain. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're back. Mm. Like I read that as like, hey, I'm I'm glad we're not together anymore. But it's good to see yeah. you. Like, is that is that the tone of it? <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> Was like, <laughs> no, you're way off. Like, you're way. Well, no, no. I mean, it's it's similar, but it's basically it's about my ex, um, and we had broken up. Um, he'd gone to India, um, and I we just sort of did no contact, um, and it was like at the time it's like yeah, it's good that we're breaking up. Like we need to. It's not working. Whatever. Sure. But still a lot of love. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up sort of like, I guess it was meeting up to do the swap of shit. Like when you oh, got back, right. like, oh, I still got some of your stuff. Then we just got back together. Okay. And then, <laughs> and then, so like, I think it was like a while later, I was like, just, I was actually in this house. I wrote it downstairs. Um, and I was kind of like playing whatever the chord progression for Glad We Woke Up. And um, that sort of came out. And I, cause I was thinking about like, when we got back together, it was such a benefit to us that we had broken up because it gave us the time to uh, go off, like realize we were fine, like as independent people, we didn't have to be like codependent, uh, remember like what it is that we like about our lives, like separate from each other, yeah. um, realize maybe what like we both had done wrong that you can't see when you're in the thick of it um, and kind of like reconcile that. And then also realize that we missed each other. Um, so it's kind of like, I'm really glad that we're together now, but I think it's really good that we had broken up. Yeah. Um, but then I think we broke up actually for real, like four days after I wrote this one. (laughs) 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 But it was like, we got back together just enough time for me to write write a hit. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You got a hit out of it, Beth. So that's pretty sick. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I have relationships for. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's not true. (laughs) I think most songwriters could relate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I can I can barely write a song when I'm happy. No, I'm um, the same. Yeah, I spoke to my my therapist once about this, and I was just like, I just can't be, I can't have a career unless I'm unhappy. And he was just like, that's not true. <laughs> um, I think it's not true to an extent, but it's just like, yeah, it's much easier to talk about sadness, yeah, like sing about is. sadness than like. Otherwise, it just sounds really cheesy. It's so hard, I think, to to write a happy yeah. song and like that, that the, the kind of positive. When when someone nails that, it's always so impressive to me. It is, yeah, yeah without making you cringe. Right, even like "Do You Realize" by Flaming Lips, which I think is so beautiful. Like, it's the most. <gasps> That's my favorite Flaming oh, Lips song. It's insane. Song. Like the lyrics in yeah. that are insane, and it's so yeah. it's such a celebration that song, and that's where. Do I'm... you think? I think I think of it as like. I once, I once was listening to that song and I was in the desert and I had like headphones on and I'd, it was just as the sun had risen and I'd gone out on my own away from like where we were all staying and I listened to it in a very like emo way where I was just like, everyone I know will die. Yeah. And I was just getting all, all the feels and then like I this sound and I took my headphone off and it was somewhere there was a coyote but I couldn't see where it was and then I suddenly realized I'd walked so far from like the house that I didn't know where in the desert I was (laughs) and I just like ran luckily in the right direction 
Oh man. But yeah, I always think of that song as a sad song. Yeah. And this is what I find really interesting about music is two people can listen to the same song and feel two totally different things and have two totally different ideas about like what it's about. Yeah. Which is amazing. It is. For me it's it's even just the opening line, do you realize that you have the most beautiful face? Like for me yeah. it's like it's so beautiful and romantic. He could be talking about his kid, it could be talking about his wife. Yeah. That's that's why for me it's so Or himself. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it, it's for me it's him going, This is life. Um Yeah. This is it right now. Like, yeah, we're all gonna die and but just enjoy it, you know. Like I think it's yeah, yeah. for me it, it it's positive but it's very moving. It's so moving. I think yeah. it is positive because for me, like it's positive in a sense that it's just like let go of the shit. Right. Go go and find the people you love 100 like kind of um i think also because i had when i i had a nervous breakdown when i was 21 and the, the basis of it was um i had like a week of i mean it's much deeper than this but i had a week of sort of like fearing death like mm. i was like i started to kind of try and um like understand what like a eternal lack of consciousness was and yeah. it just freaked me out and yeah. i didn't, didn't sleep for like five days so i think that's any song where it's just like do you realize like everyone you love is gonna die suddenly that part of me is just like hello yeah yeah <laughs> and then i've got anxious again oh i but mean yeah. i totally it's get awesome. it it's yeah mm-hmm. when we fall into despair it's often thoughts like that that trigger things so i totally get it oh yeah yeah um Definitely. but it was cool to hear about your homer simpson lost in the desert moment as well <laughs> i don't know if you ever saw the chili cook-off episode but it's pretty fucking amazing <laughs> That. that's exactly what it was like yeah because yeah. he meets a coyote too and it's johnny cash doing the voice yes holy crap <laughs> it's pretty cool oh my goodness maybe my coyote was johnny cash probably i didn't know he's like I find your find your soulmate beth <laughs> find your soulmate and i would be like it's you johnny <laughs> oh, so cool goodness. but um yeah. congrats on the album it's so sick it comes out next month right thank you yeah it comes out second of april so awesome and it's like it's um, just so refreshing for even just for an artist like uh, or like a band like us to hear like two minute songs because we do like big art pop like you know yeah 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 synth pop like I don't know they're just big grandiose pieces that kind of yeah and to just I mean you sort of just cut to the chase within twenty five seconds that just means <laughs> a lot to me you know oh thanks well cool. I think that like I I used to have this fear of um, boring people. Um, and I think the first show I ever played when I was 15, I, I played 12 songs in like 12 minutes because I just blasted through them. Cause I was like, if it's faster, then people are less yeah. likely to get bored. And I kind of, I think that I've always kind of applied that to stuff. I don't have any like super long songs. Mm. Um, and also this isn't to say that people are bored by long songs. It's just like my anxiety. Um, and then I think I like the idea of like, you know when there's like a song where there's just like one catchy bit in it and then you want more so you have to play it again yeah i like the thought that people might get to the end of something like that song and then be like repeat yeah but it's it's sort of just to deep dive a little bit more on it like it's pretty grungy yeah. sound like pretty 90 yeah. like it gave me a bit of a pixies vibe um garbage even and shirley manson yeah, is yeah. on your record uh, I actually just heard Stupid Girl the other day and I realized how yeah. much I loved that song. I hadn't heard it in like it's, 20 years. I was like, fuck, so good. I used to listen to this a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But you were amazing. you were born in 1990, right? I was, yeah, yeah. the third day of it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you were a baby when that scene was sort of in full swing. But like, 
Has grunge yeah. has grunge always been part of your aesthetic, or is this was that kind of something that came later, or was it an accident? I would say I've been into grunge probably for the past ten years, but certainly not my whole life. Mm. And when I was younger, it was kind of like psych and like garage rock, in a sense of like sixties bands, sixties stuff, their, yeah, in their garages, yeah, um, and like you know, yeah, just kind of like psych and prog rock and you know, like Frank Zappa and then also stuff like Mums and the Papas, Joni Mitchell, oh, that man. kind of stuff. Yeah. So I didn't get to grunge until much later. And when I was a kid in the nineties, I was so distressed at how boring I thought the era was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is, com- it's, which is ridiculous now looking back I'm like the nineties was amazing. But I think at the time, because I was like, you know, listening to all of these records of like people in like Laurel Canyon in the sixties. And I was like, Whoa, you know, it's such like a colorful time. And there was such like a musicality about like all of the harmonies and all of this stuff. And then I could look to my right and someone's just kind of like wearing a windbreaker on the high street. And then I'm like, well, I want to be there instead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it took me quite a while to get to grunge and all that. Okay. Um, But I've always loved distorted guitar of any kind yeah and guitar solos are my fave so cool yeah i mean you can tell um you got some chops too and (laughs) yeah it's um but but do you like do you do you look to other art forms sometimes for inspiration because like i look to films for example um ah this is a good question yeah because you know it does have this kind of grungy sound and but then i also totally get the 60s thing coming through this kind of naive pop thing do you do you look elsewhere or do you look around life or i think i do and that's so usually the question is like who inspires you and i was talking to ezra about this the other day because like we get that a lot um and it's so rarely like who inspires me as a musician and more like what's around me Mm. what's the last relationship i had or what is the feeling that something's given me so like i can listen to a frank zappa track and i'm not going to go off and make like mad jazz uh, but i might be inspired by the song because of the feeling that it gives me and then i want to kind of like reconstruct that in a way that i can give someone else that feeling but it might not sound anything like the song sure does that make sense yeah of course so like i you know if someone asked me what my musical influences are like i have so many that i love but it kind of has to come with this like caveat of like but it's not the actual song or this, you know, melody or this guitar sound. It's the feeling that this thing gives me. Like it makes me feel like I'm suddenly 16 in the summer again. And then I want to make my 16 in the summer song, that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, for sure. Like film is as transportative as music, Mm. I think. Um, And definitely actually, well, Oh yeah, no, we did. We, I told you about almost famous, didn't I? Oh, we're going to, we're going to take a deep dive into that, my friend. I watched it last well, so, night and it was fuck. It was charming as fuck. It was so. You've seen it before. I have, but not as an adult dad. And it just yeah, made, yeah, it yeah. meant the world to me. It was so cute. It was so awesome. Yeah. Well, so that was like, uh, I guess when I was kind of like 15, 16 or whatever, I watched that film for the first time. And then I watched it like, and this is probably stuff like I wouldn't have admitted four years ago. Um, but I, yeah, I watched it probably two or three times every weekend for like a year 
and because it was depicted so much I mean apart from you know the sexism and sexual harassment all that shit um but it depicts so much of what I wanted which was to be in a band and drive around America in a bus and play music and then be with people who love music yeah and uh so yeah that totally I think drove me to be a musician and want that life and it's still like my ultimate dream is to like just be in a bus going around america i don't even care if i'm playing to like five people in each city <laughs> so it's like yeah being on the bus um and then there was one time it was when i got my first publishing deal and i was just like well i've never had it wasn't even that much money but i was like i've never had this In much advance, money and yeah. i know it's yeah and i was like i know it's going on rent so i'm just gonna get myself like one thing um and there was this guitar that i wanted um in this shop in Newcastle and I knew I can't even remember what it was now but I, I knew what it was that I wanted and I went in and then I like looked to the right and there was this um like Les Paul kind of like studio like a gold guitar, top, was, no well it's kind of I don't know I know a lot about guitars and then I know nothing about guitars at the same time yeah yeah but it was maybe it but was like cherry burst like the red one or it was it was the tobacco okay nice nice and I looked at it and I was like, no, that's the one. <laughs> um, and it was super expensive and yeah, I don't yeah. know why. And it totally like overtook my desire for this other one. And then I bought it and then uh, love it. And then about probably four or five years later, I was watching Almost Famous again. And then I realized that it's the exact one that Russell Whoa. plays and still wore. And I was like, oh my God, product placement. It stained your brain. <laughs> But it's that so kind of movie. Exactly it's such a... Yeah. That's what hit me last night. Like, yeah. it's a stone cold classic. That's what I didn't... It's, I yeah. forgot about it. It's it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's So this this has sort of been a little bit of a theme that I've been doing with this podcast, obviously, like sort of mm-hmm. movies and talking to, talking to cool people like you, artists, about films, just because I thought it was a fun topic where we don't just talk about music yeah. but also it's just one of my passions and to be honest with you i don't know what the fuck i'm doing with this podcast but we're just winging it here um, that's great that's what it's just like my whole life <laughs> <laughs> but but i like to give a little bit of a, a synopsis for for our many listeners um yeah yeah so let me just i'll just reel off a little bit it's it's by cameron crow it's a semi-autobiography about his own experiences as a teenage music journalist in the 70s uh, it came out in 2000, was nominated for four Oscars. It won Best Screenplay. It stars Billy Crudup, Francis McDormand, and Kate Hudson. Uh, and there are some amazing little supporting roles from like Jason Lee. Philip Seymour Hoffman is unbelievable as Lester Bangs, a famous rock journalist. Um, and I totally forgot about the ca- cameo roles from Mark Kozilek from Sun Kill Moon. Um <laughs> who has a really like a bad moment to be honest when you when you look back he, there's this b- bad moment i guess they were just reflecting the times but where he's like salivating over high school girls it's really dark actually um yeah so and it, unfortunately i think he did have a me too moment mark kozilek so it's just it's oh, no. it's not good like um, and then there's Mark Marin the famous podcaster who basically inspired this whole who fucking I have the thing the biggest crush on Oh my god! He inspired oh, this whole curious. thing, to be honest. Uh, he's he's got yeah. a really nice little cameo in it, and then Jimmy Fallon, who I usually don't like, but he's great in it. He's so funny. He is. I didn't know for years that that was him, and then when someone told me, I was like, I have to go back and watch that scene. And I was like, Holy fuck! That's but he's scene. got one of the best. I know I'm interrupting you. But he's 
got the best line where he's just like, where he's talking about like, you think the Mick Jagger's going to be like doing all this in like 50 years time? It's just like, yeah. They actually like, were. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my wife laughed about that. I'm like, uh, yeah, he's still touring. But the other thing is he's got the amazing part in the plane scene, which is fucking iconic scene. Um, oh, it is. Is what, you know, he's like, oh, I once hit him. Like when they're all going down and they all think they're going to, he's like, I once hit a guy and a hit and run. I don't know if he's dead or alive. Like I was just crying, laughing. Like it's so dark, but it's so funny. I had one of those plane moments. No. I did. <laughs> I've never, I've never said this to anyone outside of my friends and family, but I was once on um, like a tiny plane with the chili peppers and it was like a, I guess like a 16 seater, maybe like a really small plane. Oh and with those, with the like red hot can... chili peppers. Yeah. What do you mean? And Were then, you playing with them or? No, no, they're just friends. Okay. Um, but it was so like in a tiny plane, like you feel every every bump is like horrific anyway. <laughs> um, and then so we went up and we were over Europe somewhere, and it was kind of like the plane reached altitude, and then it just started to like dip, but in the most sinister way Oof. that there was just a difference in like you know you're like this is turbulence, and then you're like this is something that's horrifically wrong. And it just started like sliding like downwards kind of thing. And it was almost like, you know, the, the ground is coming up. Um, and then all of a sudden, like we like hit a bump and then went all the way back Oof. up again. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And then it happened again. Mm. Um, and then it turned out that it was like the hydraulics failed. Shit. Um, and then when we went back up, it was like the backup sort of like, yeah, yeah back in and then the backup failed and then the only reason they could land was because like the uh the pilot and the the, the two people working on the plane like or... manually yeah. did it. and then all i could think was that in the newspaper it was going to be like red hot chili peppers and friend die oh my god you had <laughs> like a close call and friend <laughs> i thought you were going to say they all started like you know confessing their sins but i feel like the chili peppers is like what are they i mean no. you know all the bad shit i've done <laughs> yeah no no they were actually well this was what was weird is like in my head i'm like if you're in a plane that's crashing everyone's screaming and it no, everyone was like totally silent yeah there was like i looked at flea and i think he could see that i was like panicking almost in yeah, tears yeah. And, he, and he was like it's all right it's gonna be fine and i was like <laughs> yeah it is um, scary it was yeah, I've had a, a phobia of flying ever since. I've had to like go on like fear of flying courses. Fair enough. I've we because <laughs> I mean we we flew over a lot to England, uh, especially mm -hmm. in 2016. We were going like almost every weekend and just yeah. these easy jet runs to Gatwick and shit. And it was like you know after the gig you'd be pretty you know we'd be pretty loaded uh, kind of thing. And I just yeah. remember <laughs> being like kind of smashed on a and like oh, waking no. up mid turbulence like these big free falls and you're just like fuck this is so intense yeah. and I can't you know it just wasn't fun <laughs> yeah uh, no. but nothing like jesus nothing like hydraulic like manual landing that's the that's legit that's the real deal yeah it was um that's hard it was really horrible i was yeah i don't even yeah i hate even remembering it. <laughs> no no respect so yeah almost famous so um yeah <laughs> obviously yeah i watched it last night with my wife um in honor of us having a chat and I mean, like, again, the plane scene is so iconic because I started talking about yeah. that with Emily this morning. Like, is that the first time we see that scene? Because I feel like that, that is sort of a running joke in pop culture, the, the idea of yeah. the plane going down and then 
everyone confesses and then the engines kick back in and there's that hilarious <laughs> you know guy who he's he, i think it's his, uh, only, his line only line in the whole film right he's just comes out he's like i'm <laughs> gay you know yeah and it's just so funny like it's it's aged but it's still funny um i don't know i feel like i've got so much to say about almost famous but but sorry but over to you like how else did it sort of impact you well i think as well because i i watched it like years and years after i'd already gotten into you know like elton john cat stevens um led zeppelin like all of this stuff so it was almost kind of the film that was made for people who love that music um and there's just sort of some little moments like there's one bit where i can't is it he's gone to see a black sabbath whatever and yep. like they're not letting him in and then penny lane is like he's with me yep. or isn't it's the other one but anyway and then they're walking through the backstage and it's that it's kind of like cavernous like cement echoey place and you can just kind of like hear arena sounds mm. um and there's like I think like Joni Mitchell's playing whatever and it was just like the feeling that that gave me is just like being in the thick of like being on tour and whether like that's in a stadium or even just like in a fucking you know underground punk club or whatever there's just something so magical about being on tour um and then it was kind of like I got to experience that feeling in real life later in life and I was like they they depicted it so well Mm in the film and I think there's just so many like nuances about the film that could have only been like written and expressed by someone who'd really gone through 100%. those things yeah. and if someone who'd never been on tour they just use all of these tropes that like right. actually doesn't represent what it's what it's like but you know like the scene where they're all just like falling asleep on the bus and it's like yeah it's exhausting mm. um and I just yeah I think it's all of those little magical moments that are really Oh, and then also my favorite bitch, which is just like the most cheesy, but where he's like, I have to go home. And then Penny Lane's like, you are home. Right. She like casts a spell on him. Yeah. Yeah. It just hits him. I was just like, yeah, because I feel, you know, I I started watching this way before I did go on tour, but it's just like, I feel most at home when I'm on tour and when I'm like moving around. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I've lived in London for five years now, kind of by accident. um, And I love it, but I don't feel settled. Hmm. Like, I feel the most, like, at peace when I'm, like, traveling. How about, like, home at mum's at Newcastle? Well, it's funny, because, I, I mean, I haven't spent this much time here since I lived here, yeah. like, 15 years ago, whatever. Um, And it's so nice, and it's it's funny, because, I you know, I spent my childhood wanting to get away from Newcastle. Right, right. And, like, dreaming of these other lands. Yeah, and yeah. And then, like, coming back, it's, and having toured the rest of the UK... You know, there's there's really great places in the UK, but I always kind of thought that Newcastle was this kind of like drab, downbeat kind of place. And then I'm like, no, we've got like amazing parks. We have a park like super close to our house, which is almost like a forest with a river. And it goes for like miles. You can walk for like two hours and still be in the park. Um, and it's not like manicured lawns or anything. It's like just being in the countryside. Yeah. And I, that's not something I've experienced like anywhere else in England. It might exist, but I haven't experienced it. Yeah. Um, and I just realized like how lucky I was to grow up here. And we have, have just like such an amazing um, sort of like art and music scene and, you know, sting cultural buildings. <laughs> Obviously sting. <laughs> nah, but that's so nice. Like it's such a nice realization when you realize, you know, because I've, I've always been yeah. really romantic about where I'm from, which is, 
maybe mm-hmm. like a mini Newcastle. It's like a, a beach suburb in Melbourne, but it's I've yeah. was really grateful to grow up there. Um, and yeah, I don't know, yeah. I just get this vibe even just through our mutual friend Bradley. Like he, he seems to be yeah. just love it walking his dogs on the beach there, and you know, he does. people just Brad's seem great. to. Be, I met Brad like living there. six months ago. Okay. Bro. Just for a little context, he's also one of our managers, Palace Winters manager. So, yeah, he's a great is dude. He? Yeah, yeah, that's he's our manager. Hey. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's a real rock for us. Um, and as yes. is our other dude Hugo as well. We have, we have a duo. Yeah. Uh, but they're nice. they're amazing dudes. Um, you yeah. you this is one that you wanted to touch on ghosts. This 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 is oh, fascinating shit. to me. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, it was funny because I was walking around the kitchen like, what is it? Like, do I do I have it? And I, yeah. I don't really, but. Um, I can give you a quick little thing. And that this is sort of the Please thing do. in my family. This was my uh, father-in-law. So my wife's dad, he had like yeah. a near death thing where he, I'll give you the short version. He got, he like got crushed under a horse, his horse. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's okay now, but he's, you know, he, it was a bad one kind of thing. And yeah. anyway, so oh it was the whole kind of induced coma operations, you know, the whole shebang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so he's, he's gone, he's out of it. And then his wife um, and children come in and he wakes up after, you know, however, however many hours of coma and um, operating and stuff. And he says, the first thing he said to his wife was, I'm sorry about your auntie. This is, this is, yeah. And then um, she, she's like, what are you talking about? You know, he's high on drugs kind of thing. And she doesn't really, she sort of just shrugs it off, you know, like he's just wasted and he's out of it. And the doctor's like, yeah, he's out of it. Don't. And then she gets a call like a half an hour later and it's her mom. And sure enough, the auntie's just passed away. And this is like, yeah. And so, and he, you know, it is a big deal for him. Like he's, he talks about a corridor and he talks about seeing her Yeah. and he talks about, I mean, he had to go and oh, deal with wow. it after that. You know, he's gone like therapy and stuff like that. And he so and, and like I tell you right now, yeah. he's the most straight up. Yeah. Like he play. He's a beautiful man. He's a violinist. Um, plays in the Gothenburg Symphonic. He's like the oldest member of the yeah. you know longest running member. He's played violin on our records. Like he's just a straight up dude. You know, and he he yeah. didn't he didn't buy any of this shit. You know, and then yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. this just freaky occurrence kind of that's basically the closest to like the afterlife or like ghost story that i have totally but that's amazing i mean like i'm really interested in that i read a book about the correlation between near-death experiences and the experiences of people who have like past life regression mm. and so like people who have past life regression um and they'll like you know recount what it was like for them to die in a past life and then you compare it to someone who's had like a near-death experience um and everything's the same there's something like 27 factors that are common factors in people's you know memories of these things and there's something like there's like three that everybody feels and it's like the you know moving quickly either like over water down a tunnel whatever like the light and then this like all-consuming feeling of love Mm. um and so some people will recognize that as like god or you know whoever or not a god or just a spirit or a feeling um and i i got really into it because when i had my um my nervous breakdown and 
it was actually because I hadn't dealt with grief in my life, which mm. just to tip to anyone else, if you're having a nervous breakdown and you think it's about something, it might be about something completely different and mm. you should see a therapist. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so one of the, I sort of, oh no I found it because as a therapy for anxiety you can have past life regression because there's a theory that you um can carry sort of anxieties from past lives into your current ones so like if you have this like unexplained fear of water you might have drowned in a past life Mm. so and like whether or not all of this is true or whatever the therapy seems to help a lot of people Mm. yeah um so that's kind of how I got into it but I find that stuff super yeah interesting and it also the idea of or like yeah reincarnation or um those kinds of things really helped me when i was a kid when i was seeing ghosts because then i felt less scared so what you know to tell, like can you give us a a, a little account of so seeing I, one or yeah i mean like i had like a bunch like when i was a kid i used to like see them in the house one time i'd come home early from school and i was doing my homework and there was just this like big it was almost as if there was a floating silhouette of like a man but where it would be black it was kind of like tv snow Mm. and that came with just like the most horrible feeling and i called my mom and she had to send her friend around but anyway that's a minor one sure um I so when I was 15 I think that I hadn't kind of like seen any of this stuff for a while and I was just like oh it was like all in my head also I'm still aware this could all be in my head like I'm not trying to convince anyone I really did see ghosts yeah yeah but my experience is um I used to go to this like cottage with my dad um in this place called Bellingham which is kind of an hour outside of Newcastle and it's you know the countryside and the cottage was kind of like away from everything else so it's like very dark and very silent at night um and it's the kind of thing where it's like you know when you don't have curtains on a window and you know that if the lights are on inside you can't see anything outside but there could be something right up at the glass looking in and you wouldn't see it yeah yeah so there was kind of this like vibe of like slight like oh this is not super comfortable um yeah so i was in the shower and um i was getting washed and there was kind of like so if you you know when you have frosted glass mm. and say someone's hand is behind it i can't ha- i can't find an example here but so you can kind of see like a murky yeah. print of a hand yeah. or a shadow but it's not you can't see it so there was kind of like a shadow like that of a hand on the shower curtain Oof. um and i well at first i didn't i was like oh that's so cool that like my mum's always taught me to see like the little patterns and things right. and you know look at that shape in this looks like this thing so i was like oh it's so cool that this you know it's just kind of the curtain has fallen in a way that it looks like a human hand i'm getting and then i (laughs) (laughs) and then i like i kept watching i knocked the curtain with my elbow and the curtain moved and then the hand didn't and then i was like oh what's that um and then so i was like dad because like literally the only person that i knew within miles was my dad Mm. And there was like no answer. And I was like, dad, no answer. And then I went to touch it through the curtain and it was like hard, mm. like resistance. And I was like, dad, and there was no answer. And I ripped back the curtain and there was nobody there. Oof. I mean, I'm, and for me, oh, I'm peering over my shoulder right now. <laughs> I know. Well, for, for me, if it was, if I, ha- if I had touched it and there was nothing there, I would have been like, oh, that's just such a weird coincidence. Mm. But because it was hard and yeah. there was something there and I was like, what the fuck? Um, anyway, 
And I have this, since I was a kid, I've got this weird reaction that if I get really freaked out, like I can't have my feet on the floor. Mm. So I was kind of like walking around the house like an ogre crying, like there's something is happening. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then, so we left like the next day. Um, and then this bit is debatable, the time frame. But anyway, so I think my dad had called the woman who owned the, the cottage at the time. And was like, you know, if you ever had any kind of anything going on here or whatever, and sort of told her what had happened. She's like, no, no. And then I think about six months later, she'd called him back and was like, I sort of can't stop thinking about this and I feel really guilty that I didn't tell you. Um, but I think it was like a week or so before we had gone to stay at the cottage, her husband had died like under the sink in the bathroom <gasps> oh, where I saw the hand. I know. The but then, um, but then I felt better about it because i was yeah. just like he was probably just trying to get in touch with barbara to say bye Oof. you know because i think that yeah there's this theory that there's different ways you can sort of try and contact people like on your way out of yeah. life you know whether it's like you turn up in a dream or whatever you can sort of try and say your goodbyes and i'm just like he just thought i was barbara and probably mm. got a fucking you know a heart attack seeing that it was just some like 15 year old girl and then got the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm so sorry. I <laughs> thought it was Bob. Yeah, wow. Bob, is that you? Um, but then out. I had this other one. Do we have time for one Go more? for it. Go for it. Okay, so I was on, I was in LA um, with this guy. He was kind of like, we were making some music together. Um, and we were, we decided to just sort of like go on a road trip. Um, so we were driving through, I think it was like in Arizona somewhere. And it was one of these places where it's just like, there isn't, you know, there's a gas station and then there's nothing for like a hundred miles. Um, so it was the middle of the night and we were driving along. And also like, I didn't know this guy very well at the time. We'd mm. maybe known each other like a couple of days. Um, and then, yeah, so we were driving along, listening to podcasts, whatever. Oh, you were listening to This American Life. That yeah. was literally my first introduction to podcasts. Okay, that road trip. cool. Um, and then so, yeah, we were driving along and then he sort of like leaned forward and was kind of like squinting. And then he like put his head back and I thought he was going to like sneeze. And he just screamed <gasps> and like put his foot on the gas. And I was like, what? Like, what's happening? Because also I'm like, you know, I don't know who this guy really is like should i have gotten in a car with yeah, him yeah. in the middle of the desert at night <laughs> um and he like couldn't like he he just kept driving and he couldn't speak for a second and then he sort of like calmed down a bit and he was like did you see that and i was like no like what are you talking about and he was just like there was someone or something walking along the side of the road doing like this and for anyone who's listening, I'm I have my hands in front of my like chest and they're kind of like waving back and forth in a weird sort of meditative oh, way. I'm getting like full oh man. Yeah. What a crazy occurrence. Well that's the thing. And I think that it was the fact that we were literally like fifty miles either way yeah, from anything. Like, yeah, anything. And then so my first thought was like well that person like it's freezing outside right. that person probably needs help yeah 
so we should just go back and check and he's like no no like honestly like you know it it was super creepy so we um we took the next exit and like looped back okay. around and we were driving along like super slow um and i was kind of like looking out for this you know helpless person or whatever um and then it sort of got to the point where we were like we're not going to see anything and i was like he probably you know he's just tired or whatever and then this like on the passenger side of the car mm. this thing <laughs> and it was like i would say like between six and seven foot tall in a black cloak and i'm not making this up and also the fact and also he the, the guy i was with is completely like straight laced like doesn't believe in ghosts any of this shit which was why it was more creepy for me because i do um so yeah seven foot tall in this kind of like black cloak white hands and just like no face so could have had a face that was hidden by the cloak or whatever sure. and maybe like gloves or just very pale skin and it wasn't walking it was like floating forwards doing this hand movement that he had described and i was like get up <laughs> and we like drove so fast and it gave me like and the other thing was like if you are just like a person walking along the side of the road in the desert and then a car in the middle of the night drives up you're going to kind of like acknowledge React. that you know you're yeah. going to turn your head or whatever and it didn't it just kept like looking straight Ooh. forward but then the other thing was so my last name is Houghton and the guy's last name is Herring the next two exits that we saw on the road and I've found this on the map and confirmed it were Her Herring Road and Houghton Road and I was like we have to be about to die like this is not i was like it's like all of these omens rot, like yeah, bermuda triangle like between the... it was fucking it yeah, yeah it was insane anyway wow. but yeah i had to I years later story. i wrote to him and i was i was like do you remember this happening and he's like yeah i was fucked up and then i found it on the map with yeah the two roads and just i you know i'm determined to find out what was going on i've like yeah. looked at like ghost stories in the area whatever and i can't yeah. find anything specific yeah no one's you know the closest i could find was like it was near a place that had this um kind of like terrible like train accident mm -hmm. where there was like a train derailment in the 20s and right. some people died he didn't seem like a train guy okay but it was it was arizona <laughs> you said yeah it was like mm. arizona kind of I'm, i might be getting that wrong it was kind of near bakersfield i think yeah right that 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 um that comes to <laughs> mind from a film as well i think uh, because it's such a cinematic oh. scene like what you're describing the between the it's very yeah. like david lynch like on the highway well Baker, bakersfield is in um fear and loathing in las vegas oh, right okay well he there gets, you go he gets to a sign that's like bakersfield <laughs> that's <laughs> right and the, and yeah. i mean that you definitely get some long highway drives in that film as well so oh yeah far definitely. out oh yeah, man so nice to get those yeah and also just really creepy to get the the, the hair <laughs> on the back of the neck just standing up you know yeah. well beth it's so it's been a total joy hanging out thanks same good luck with the record it's so sick thank you um thanks. let's do this again sometime and hopefully we'll meet Definitely. face to face one day have a have a yeah. beer with bradley or something so cool thanks for coming on keep stream buddy yes and yeah have a great thank day thank you very much you too ciao